the cat the pebble. No TV. Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy, who's going to go run and shut his door. I have a feeling because we can hear the, can hear the TV <laughs> TV in the background. All right, here he comes. The one, the only, Bruce McCurdy. Welcome back, Bruce. Hey, David. Back, back in the saddle. I was a bit worried there. I thought I'm home and they're going to lose the first game that I'm back involved in. But uh, it worked. It all worked out well in the end. Now, right, let's let's get this straight. That's not because you're superstitious. No. That's because no. because you've been blamed in the past by fans. Like if I you have. Were, so I tell have. me what happens, Bruce. What's well, what happens is if if you go on a little run where the the team is winning sort of half their games, but you grade maybe three or four in a row where they lose, or especially where they stink, uh, you got. Uh, some some wiseacre out there will say, you know, the Oilers sure don't play well when Bruce does the grades. Maybe. <laughs> All right. And then they think dark thoughts about me, right? I mean, I'm not on the ice. I got nothing to do with it. I'm just watching like everybody else. Well, the, the reason I thought you were superstitious about it, Bruce, is that you actually keep track. Like you keep track well, about because I, I hear about it. When I grade the games or when Kurt – and when you you actually have our winning one-loss record. Like, to yes. me, like, what do we have? We have nothing to do with it. But, well, anyway. no, the re- reason I – every 10 games in the 10-game segments, I do record the one-loss record because I think when you see the average grades, it's often because of the outcomes of the game. Okay. If you, right. you know, if you're given higher grades than me, but they won all your games and they lost all my games, well, that's why. It's not because I'm such a harsh grader. It's just – I see. So – Anyway, tonight, 40th anniversary. I didn't hear much mention of it today, but uh, 40th anniversary of Oilers' first ever NHL game, October 10th, 1979. Kevin Lowe got the first Edmonton goal, but they lost 4-2 against Chicago Blackhawks in Chicago Stadium. I have a vague memory of the goal. Not much of one, but you you probably have quite a... You, you remember. Kind of blooped a backhand over Tony Esposito's uh, shoulder and into the top corner. He sort of got half wood on it and Esposito had to wave at it with a stick hand because of course he's a left-handed yeah. goalie. That's what I remember of it not being a great goal. Yeah. It was yeah, I mean they took the puck to the net and a good thing happened. You know, that's the game sometimes, as you well know. So Bruce, uh the Oilers won this one in uh, the shootout. They won it it was four to three. Um the Devils outchanced the Oilers in grade A chances sixteen to nine. And Bruce I have to and I wrote this uh, at the Cult of Hockey blog, uh, to me, this was this had all the makings of guaranteed loss night for the Edmonton Oilers. Sure. They're playing against the team that it was a, a weak team on the on back to back on the second night of a back to back game for that weak team, f- like with a prominent ex Oilers player on it. Like it had all the ingredients of, of a game the Oilers in the last two years. I, and I didn't count them up, but it had all the ingredients of a game the Oilers would have lost in the last two years. And it sure looked like they were doing their damnedest to make it uh, another year in a row with that trend continuing tonight because the Devils really were desperate. You can see why they lose games like this because the other team is so desperate yeah. and the Oilers aren't, you know, they're not that good. Like they're, they, like they're, a, they're a good team, but they're not a, you're not a, like the, oh, the margin isn't great between it, most NHL teams. So the, the league is so close, you know, and I mean, I, I heard people this morning saying, well, this is a game the Oilers should win because they're, oh. they're streaking and the devils are slumping. And my thought is that uh, the league is so close that often the mar- little tiny margin uh, in a given game is between the desperation, the absolute need of one team to win it over another that's maybe slightly slightly um, 
fat and sassy, you know, and, and the Devils were desperate. I thought the Devils played a great game tonight. I have full, full marks of them. They were flying the whole game. They were making stuff okay. happen. They were shutting things down. You know, Edmonton had two shots in the first 18 minutes of the third period. Like, they were really having trouble getting through, and they uh, they were lucky and good to somehow manage to, to uh, pull off the tying goal. A little, little McDavid magic, you know, draw the penalty, win the faceoff, score the goal. Tied up, but yeah, um, that was they. They were out chance. It was five to one in the third. Five to one, and yeah. the Devils just were. They were just so hungry to win that game, and uh, they, you know, they were missing Andy Green, who was mm-hmm. uh, their, probably their best defenseman. So, so Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Let's start it off with your good thing. Well, my good thing has to be the first Edmonton goal, uh, which was an absolute thing of beauty from. Uh, the time that New Jersey actually had possession of the puck behind Edmonton's goal line to the puck winding up in the New Jersey net about 10 seconds later. And it started off with three good plays in a row by Ethan Bear. First of all, muscling his man off the puck and taking it off him, then making a good move behind the net to beat a man to come out the other side of the net, and then to make an absolutely gorgeous 10-foot pass right through uh, guys, I think between his legs, and hit McDavid on dead fly, sticking out of his own zone. The kind of pass that Oilers fans are aching to see McDavid receive 10 times a game. Anyway, this one, and McDavid took it down, and from there it was bingo, bango, bongo, four-way passing play. I mean, all five Oilers were involved in the goal, which included uh, a, a rushing defenseman joining the play. So one defenseman started the play with a, with a Good defensive play and breakout pass, and the other one joined the rush and basically made the goal happen by uh, being the joiner between the uh, uh, the two passes across the slot, including you know Nurse making the actual pass that Drive Drysaddle buried, and really it was close to perfect hockey for those few seconds. It was an old time '80s Oilers goal. It was an Oilers goal, and, and we're starting to see that with uh, regularity from this group of players. Um, they're, they are really connecting, including on the power play. It's, it's pretty amazing to watch. So, so Bruce, my good thing is the unsung heroes of the team. Like, so, of course, the game was won by Dreisaitl in overtime and Koskinen in overtime. Um, but McDavid, yeah. McDavid scored, Dreisaitl scored in regulation time. Nuge whipped one in that Neil got his stick on. So it's all the big players, uh, the well-paid players who, who uh, drove the scoring tonight. But this was a team effort. And I'm just, just going to quickly go down and just... Um, say each contribution. So Chris Russell, I just was thought was super solid, solid as a rock on defense most of the night. Joachim Nygaard was flying out there to the extent that I thought he should have been out in overtime instead of James Neal. Jujar Kara, his that whole line with Riley Sheehan and Patrick Russell um, looks like a third line. They're, they're getting offensive zone time, which is, I mean, how rare is that for an for an Oilers line other than the top line to get offensive zone time on a regular basis? Joel Pearson, I thought had his best game easily as an order. He's finally uh, decided he's going to play his A game. If he's not going to make it, he's at least going to play his A game, trying. And we saw him moving his feet, skating with the puck. He had a few struggles moving the puck at times, but that's going to happen to any defenseman. Um, so I mentioned Patrick Russell, Marcus Granlin actually got a breakaway. He's still a little bit underwhelming. Um, Matt Benning was solid enough. Gaetan Haas was fast when he got out there. I didn't think Yurko had, uh, Yurcho had his best game. But uh, most of all, Miko Koskinen, who has been... Um, Let's face it, we all have a pretty iffy 
opinion of him right now. And of course, on the first goal, he got beat high glove hand, although it was it was an absolutely perfect shot on a two on one. So I didn't blame him on that one. But he he was Koskinen was fantastic, Bruce. Like he made a ton of great saves as the game went on. Yeah, he, he's three goals games. Yeah. So that those are that's my that's my good thing, and and I thought all those players came to you know they did their each did their little bit enough for the Oilers to to stay in the game and and uh, win the game in the end. What is your bad thing? I'm going to let you go first this time, David. I'm still cogitating that. Okay, my bad. My I'm bad. I'm happy thing. with the two points. So bad thing. My bad <laughs> thing is uh yeah I'm, I'm ecstatic. I would have been happy with one point. I was by the end of the game. Like when they managed to tie it up, they had just been so outplayed in the third period. I'm just sitting there, okay, one point, one point, get to overtime, get one point. And then when they get two, it's like, well, geez, that's Oops. just fantastic 4-0. Oh. All right. There's two plays by Leon Settle that were my bad thing. And the um, the third devil's goal, Louis DeBrusque mentioned on the play-by-play that it all started with someone or Oilers players being outside the zone and Subban, PK Subban, recognizing that and rushing and pinching, keeping the puck in. It was actually just one player and it was Leon Dreisaitl who had blown the zone, wasn't on the wing, he was playing up there and because of him, they got that third goal. He was the main culprit. Um, there was another play in the um, early in the second period where he had been on the ice already much like they've been up and down the ice and then they've been in the Oilers zone for 30 seconds or so. And he had been on the ice 70 seconds, 70 seconds. And, um, which in the NHL, like you, those guys, they just me, even the most fit guy has got to be gassed after 70 seconds. So he finally got the puck out and he gets it over the red line. And all he had to do was dump it in, get off the ice. And he decides he's going to carry it in one more time. He turned over the puck and the devil's got two scoring chances very good scoring chances because of that. So Leon has got to, like he's, he has been, he is such a fan, fantastic, fan credible player. I was going to say he is such a friend, fan credible player. <laughs> yeah. Intastic. Does that makes sense. Um, so he, he is, he is so fine, but he, he's got to think of the risk reward a little bit better now and then. And that's as he gets to be, if the owners are going to win, Bruce, this has got to happen. Cause we both know, how many goals in the second half of the year Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl were on the ice for? I, a whole crap ton of them. Yeah. So, Yeah, well, you know, Leon also delivered uh, at least two that come to mind, absolutely superb defensive stops in this game. And he he yeah. does have yeah. two-way game, uh, he and, he, and he does have the ability to, to turn the play north, but he does make mistakes, and he does uh, um, he gambles and loses sometimes with either dangerous passes through the slot or, um, uh, as you say here, blowing the zone or maybe trying to beat a guy at the blue line once in a while. Uh, so you, you take the you take the bad with the good with this player. All he did was, you know, win win the game for Edmonton <laughs> to shoot up. And win first star, he won first star honors uh, in the arena, and the stars chosen in the arena, uh, and lead the team in shots and, and so on and face-off percentage and you know, there, there are going to be, when you play a guy 25 minutes, as they did yet again tonight, third time in four games, mistakes are going to happen. That one was costly at a bad time. And, you know, no no arguing that. It's a, it belongs on the bad thing list. Okay, what is your bad thing, Bruce? Have you figured uh, out you have one? 
I guess how much time, part of the game I spent being worried about this player or that being banged up, right? Your club bomb took a shoulder cap right in the chops. And it looked like it could be a concussion. That should have been a penalty. And and Cassian twisted his ankle, it looked like, and Drysaddle got hacked on the wrist one time, and I think he got chopped in the head another time. And, and it was just, you know, realizing 82 games is an awfully long time, and you've got to sort of come out the other side of those knocks. Time and again, and New Jersey really took their pound of flesh tonight. Like I say, they played hard, and they, they played a very intense game for a team that lost a uh, different city last night. They brought a pretty good game back home to to uh, New Jersey, and and they were given and That guy, uh, Miles Wood, he was, uh, uh, Wood's a good name for him. He was, well, maybe they should call him Miles Composite, but he sure puts the lumber onto uh, opponents, and he got a couple of Oilers with, uh, with loose sticks tonight anyway that they uh so it's not really a bad thing because i don't all these guys came back to play and hopefully it's not yeah. something where tomorrow they'll say cassian's in a walking boot or you know let's let's just hope that nothing like that happens but uh that uh that was a worrisome thing he sure nailed cassian sure nailed palmieri with that head Ooh, that was a wicked hit you know, Bruce, it was one of those games where the aggressive team got away with a lot of penalties, honestly, from the refs. The refs could have called a lot of interference and holding in different plays, I thought, on the Devils. But because they were so aggressive and going for it, and maybe <laughs> maybe they're, I don't know, the, the refs know how, how bad that franchise needs to win. I just thought they let them get away with stuff until the last minute there when McDavid... Uh, yeah, well, Drysaddle drew the one penalty that they got the first power play goal, and then McDavid drew the critical one at the end. So the big boys were delivering more than just points. They were they were they were drawing the fouls and and setting things up. Setting What's table. your number? What's your number? Bruce? My number is twenty two thirteen, which might be twenty two fourteen because of a one second disagreement. Ethan Bear five on five most ice time on the Oilers. Five on five in this wow. game. Ethan Bear, youngest player on the team, only rookie on the team, and they played the hell out of him. And uh, he didn't play the most even strength time because he didn't get on the ice in overtime. So some of the some of the stuff that shows up in the event summary includes three on three. But uh, Bear was a, a a beast and lots of good things. I had a little bit of some some troubles. He's still working on defensive things, but I, I, unlike two years ago when he was called up before he was ready, I'm seeing a lot more good with the bad, and I, and I think it's been a net positive for Ethan Bear, four games running now, and, and uh, he's looking like a player, David. He is, Bruce, and this is the kind of thing, like, you know, in the, in the decade of darkness, we've looked longingly at other franchises and seen them call up players who are about 22, 23, been in the minors a couple of years, and those players just step in the lineup. You've never heard of them before, right? right. And and all of a sudden, like, who is that guy? He's like playing top four minutes, and he's crushing it. Like, Nashville comes to mind of constantly kind of p- running through these players, and the Oilers never had that guy. But but the Oilers farm team last year was damn good, and it looked like there was five or six or seven or eight guys on that team who might well, who would have a chance to really compete uh-huh. for an NHL job? And it, and, it, and it's Bear and Russell who have taken the Patrick step up. Russell, who would have guessed? It, but it could have been you. You did, but it could have been it could have been Gambardella and Jones. It could have just as easily been two other guys because there's lots of good players in Bakersfield. So this is credit to Peter Shirelli, and I know that he he got a lot of things wrong, but he got one thing right. He got drafting and development right. And the farm team that's developed in Bakersfield is largely his doing, Keith Gretzky and Bob Green. And they did a pretty good job. 
uh, enough of a good job that I was questioning this summer, you know, bringing in Todd Wright to, uh, to be a key part of that because it wasn't apparent to me necessarily that anything was going wrong with what was happening in player procurement and developing that farm system. But yeah, yeah. fantastic to see. The other good decision that Shirelli made was not canning outright Jay Woodcroft when they let go all of the assistant coaches, <laughs> but sending him down to the minors and letting him run his own bench and sort of shifting things up for him and giving him a shot at a different job. I liked that move then, and I've seen nothing since that's made me think they did anything but the but the best possible alternative. He sure has developed a lot of hockey players down there, hasn't he? Like last year, so they're off to so a good great. start. Off to a good start this year, and even more talent on the team this year, even without Ethan Bear. There's, there's actually more talent on that Even team. without Patrick Russell. Even without Patrick Russell. Yeah. <laughs> the for, Fernando Pisani of the AHL. Well, well yeah, what, what I meant earlier was who would have guessed those two? If you had to get a Quinella and said, you're going to pick two players from Bakersfield last year, they're going to make the orders to start the season. Would you have guessed Bear and Russell both? I would have guessed Caleb Jones yeah. and... Um, a forward, I would have guessed Tyler Benson. Benson. I thought yeah. Benson was ready. I would have guessed those two. Um, but so so there you go. And, and Jones and, uh, excuse me, Russell and uh, Bear would have been down my list. I would have thought Russell had an outside chance. And you know what, Bruce? Ever since they added Patrick Russell to that third line with Shane and, and Kerr, that was seems to be the difference on that line. He seems to have that bit of grit and smarts and just getting in there. He's going to be hard to get out of the lineup because he had another really good game. Good for Patrick Russell. He's... He's uh, playing. He's such I a hard really like player. player. I've never seen him bad. You know, I've never seen him bad. I've watched him play in Bakersfield. I've watched him play for Denmark. You know, it doesn't score a million points or anything, but he's solid every game. Like it's. I mean, I'm sure he. I, I'm sure I, he has I, his down nights, but I haven't seen him. Well, when he first got to Bakersfield, I didn't think he'd be an NHL player. Um, I didn't think he'd actually be that close to an NHL player. Let me just look up what he did in that first year. Oh, he's, he's improved every year. So it's each, each, he's... But you can see two things that he did have. He had speed. He had some speed, and he had a willingness to hit and, and work. So his first year in Bakersfield, he had 68 games and 17 points. Uh, and he wasn't young then either. He was... Uh, 23 then, and then... Yeah. So good for that guy. And then his second year, he, he jumped to 30-odd points, and then last year... Yeah, 27, and then last year to 40 in 52 games, I think it was. Like he didn't, he played part of the year up here. So solid improvement from year to year. And now we're seeing him as, you know, I mean, he's a role player, but if you're, you got to have role players and you got to have good role players. And, and he's trending well. Like he's doing a lot of penalty killing for the owners. Uh, Patrick Russell is on the first unit penalty kill. And he and Riley Shane led the team in ice time, shorthanded ice time tonight. But I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, Russell was next in line among forwards. Yeah, I was dubious about Shane in preseason, but he's had a couple strong games. So good for him. Like he, that whole line, good for them. I, I was dubious about that whole line for, for a while. But uh, they're cycling the puck and playing well together and they're working their butts off. So I'm rooting hard for Riley Shane for kind of selfish reasons. He's the one guy, a free agent that I wrote about all summer. And said, this would be a guy that could help the Oilers. So I really hope he helps the Oilers. So you can have bragging rights. That's important for us. Well, I mean, they did they did pick the player, but ideally you want them not only to get your guy, but have him actually help the team. So 
that's uh, that's the part that's still to be determined. Anyway, I'm rooting for him, and I'll be okay. rooting for anybody who dresses in uh, blue and orange. Anyway, so it's yeah, me too. So it is. So Bruce, my numbers are two and five. 25, Darnell Nurse's numbers, they refer to his hits in the game, which was five, and his uh, major contributions at even strength to grade A chances, which was two. It's pretty rare. It's not easy for a defenseman to to get a major contribution. Like, you know, you got to, you're setting up a guy in the slot, essentially, <coughs> or, or uh, making a stretch pass or a key pass to set up a, a, a grade A scoring chance plays. It don't, doesn't happen for a defenseman very often. So to have two in one game is pretty good. Ben Darnell Nurse. One was, he was the goal. He was flying. He was flying out there. One was the goal. <coughs> the assist. The other one was the play where he stole the puck off the guy inside the blue line and whipped a breakaway pass to Granlund, eh? Uh, yeah, let me just have a look. There's six. Yeah. Had to be. Yeah. Had to be. Scott, that was a great on, play. A uh, rather elaborate coding this year on our scoring uh, chance. I, I, I'm I have confused them. too. <laughs> 20, 25 FPST. So 25, uh, 4. <coughs> pass stretch stretch, stretch yeah. pass. so yeah. uh, that was so a beauty play by nurse wasn't it he he's he shut the play down bruce he <coughs> they're using him in the in the right way as an attacking defenseman i just love <coughs> excuse me you're gonna have to take over talking i got a little bit of cough yeah, he's got <coughs> yeah, he's got a two two-way uh game I, I wouldn't refer to him as a shutdown defense <coughs> uh he's he's a uh uh, you know he's a roamer and a rover, and he makes stuff happen out there. And you got you got to let him free wheel a little bit because that's really his game. And he's got. It seems like I'm I'm, I'm puzzled by how many detractors the guy has and how many people think well we should just trade him for something else. But his game to me is still emerging, and that, that next contract is uh, <coughs> that's going to be a critical detail for Mr. Holland to. Uh, uh, to, to take care of, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But for now, I mean, at 3.2 million for this year, Nurse may well be the biggest bargain contract on the team. Oh yeah, I guess you you, you could factor in Ethan Bear, but you, you kind of expect that on entry level deals. So, um, yeah, he's not he he was miscast, and I think he he if he if he's cast again with Adam Larson, that's not going to work. I think Darnell Nurse isn't a strong enough passer of the puck, um, making these little intricate passes in his own zone, quick passes. Like he's great with the puck on a stick. He's great like in the bold moment where he streaks up the ice and or rushes in to break up a play. But those he needs to work with someone, I think, in the end, who's a better passer than he is, a more more has a higher hockey IQ, sees the ice better. And that's Ethan Bear. It could be Larson, or excuse me, Pearson. But I don't think it is Larson. I, I don't think that's a very good match in the end. I, I, I think the Sharp could be Evan Bouchard. I'd like to see Larson and Russell kind of in the, sh like, as a shutdown role. Um, you know, a very kind of expensive third pairing, if that's how you see them. But I don't see them that way. <clears throat> I would see them as kind of um, heavy minutes, tough minutes, kind of two guys doing that. So maybe we'll see that down the road when Larson comes back. All righty. Any other thoughts, Bruce, or? Four and oh man, I mean that's it's I mean this they were down, they were trailed three times in this game. They each period they gave up a goal and they fought back to tie the score before the buzzer. Amazing. It was late in the second, late in the third, drew the penalties, could, uh, produced on the power play. And that tying goal I was slightly worried that the ref had blown the play dead because he'd lost the fact that the goalie didn't have the puck covered, but they said they called it a goal on the ice and 
But David certainly got to it before Blackwood did, so it should have been a goal. They said they called it a goal on the ice? They called it a goal, and they couldn't overturn it. That's what they said. When they went to the view the replay, they said the call on the ice was a good goal. We'll review it. And I was going, geez, I thought I heard the whistle go, but hey. Anyway, that was the sort of call that would have gone against the orders. You know it. So many times we'd be sitting here and you and I'd be bitching and whining about that <laughs> stupid call that cost us the chance to tie and win it in the shootout, you know. And, and we'd be talking about the what-ifs and the never-wers. And instead, hey, the goal stands and they survived. They got one point and then they hung on through the shootout. And thanks to Koskinen and, and uh, a couple of goal posts, they uh, were able to, to uh, pull out the second one. It's all's well, it ends well. Four and <laughs> My final thought, Bruce, is about James Neal. Seven goals. <laughs> Already. As many as he had all of last year. <coughs> More than Milan Lucic had all last year. So, wow. Yeah, well, he matched his last year's goals point by October 10th. And here he is beating the entire National Hockey League in goals. Like, that's hilarious. I don't care what date it is. The fact that he ever got to this point after that trade is just... Uh, this is the if this is the pinnacle. Let's enjoy the view before the inevitable yeah. uh, happens next. But I don't want to see him in overtime again. As much as I love his power play, uh, three on three is not he, he. He had that rush off the ice. He didn't know what to do with it except kind of throw it high into the other team's end and try to chase after it. He, he they got to have. I I would have Nygaard out there. I think Haas would be a, a really good player, um, support player. Uh, I know they use Kajula sometimes in overtime, and, and I think Haas would be every bit, bit as good as Drake Kajula. So that's what well, I but way, I, way better without the puck. He sure is, isn't he? Yeah. All right. Let's leave it there, Bruce. Thanks for talking. Saturday, Saturday morning, New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden 11 a.m. for people that haven't quite clued into that yet. Uh, set your PVR or your personal schedule to see if they can go for five. Thanks for the reminder for me and everybody else. There's at least at least 20% of the people watching this, listening to this, would have missed that. It would, would have either maybe some of the and some of them would have missed the game completely. Although you can now watch things more easily on replay on TV. So hopefully they hung in till the end of the podcast, eh, David? For sure they did, Bruce. <laughs> you got the wisest fans in the world, man. They they want every nugget of our whatever it is. Oh <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. Thanks for thanks for talking, Bruce. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.